My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is my husband, Pat Francis. Hello. Hello, honey. How you doing? Good. How did, how did you get me to do this again? I, I called you. Two weeks in a and row. And I said, I have two guests here mm-hmm. right in my class. Right. And I am yanking them out of class and... Onto the podcast. Well, I'm glad I came because these guys are really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, you know, for anybody who ever doubts that I mean this when I say I do just lift people right out of my class, true. that's what happened to you guys, right? That's like, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we have Niall McKay with us and we have Mark Haywood. Hello, Niall and Mark. Lovely to be here. Delighted to be here. Let's, yeah. let's hear it just so people know who's who. Let's hear from Niall. This is Niall, testing one, two, three. And let's hear from Mark. And this is Mark, testing four, five, six. Great. And I know, I know what everybody's thinking. They're all going, oh, yeah, sure. She lifted them out of the class because they have nice accents. You know, you know. of course they are, right? Well, no, yeah, in other countries, because we always say, oh, my God, I could, I could hear you two guys. I could hear you guys talk all day long. You never say that about an American. You yeah. never go like, that, that accent is great. <laughs> right? Right? See, they're laughing. They, they agree. Well, actually, I'm from Brooklyn. I just put this on. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've been listening to me for two days straight because we, we've been doing the rewrite workshop here in Studio City. And uh, um, what brings you to class is interesting all on its own, actually. So what does bring you to class? Now, let's start with you because you actually don't live in Los Angeles. You live in New York. I live in New York, yeah, and I was uh, doing a party for Irish Screen America, running a party for Irish Screen America this week, and uh, which is an organisation that I, you know, am the founder, and founder, executive I'm deeply director involved in, yeah, yeah. and uh, work with my friend Claude Boyer, um, and we were so it seemed like a great, and the dates coincided, and I saw great PRs classes on, so I was delighted to, uh, to be able to do the two things in one trip. Well, I'm glad that you were. Just to tell everybody a little bit more about Niall, um, as well as being the executive director and founder of Irish Screen America, he is an Emmy Award-winning independent producer and director and a shorts programmer for the Tribeca Film Festival, um, as well as being executive director and curator of Irish Screen America, which I just said, which I should probably go and edit the, you know, the things I'm actually reading. Um, he just finished producing a historical documentary about Filipino immigrants for PBS. Um, he's also writing and directing a comedy series about Irish in New York called On the Lig. Is that That's right? Correct, yeah. uh, what does On the Lig mean? It means going to events and parties simply for the free food and drink. Oh, that's so. Check like my pockets of, on the way out. That's all of my 20s. I have to, yeah. Uh, 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 we, we were seriously on the leg at a certain point. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pat actually, Pat lives on the leg. Yeah, I do. So he, Good he, for you. Yeah, he has whole podcasts just so he can get free CDs. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and free concert tickets, and I'm all about 
the free stuff. And always has been. We're going to dedicate an entire podcast some time to Pat's cons, but we'll, yeah. we'll do that on another show. Um, your personal documentary, The Bass Player, was nominated for a 2009 Irish Film and TV Award. And recently, uh, Niall... Um, oh, 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 this is cool. Um, you are currently programming two-minute short films for Screen Vision Media. Yeah, so the uh, Screen Vision program... Uh, Special events for independent cinemas, such as Bowtie Cinemas. So they do, you know, the kind of opera in the cinema or Shakespeare in the cinema. They do events like, special events like that. So I am uh, programming a two-minute uh, two minute short films to go before the program. And specifically what that means is that we're looking for two-minute films that are broadcast quality, that are family-friendly, um, which basically means they don't have to be children's films, but they have to be viewable by children. So do you notice he's actually saying this is what he's looking for because we're, we're letting the listeners know that you can actually submit. Now, so you're submitting, they would be submitting two-minute short films, family-friendly, that could be shown before screened versions of operas and ballet and things like that. Exactly, right? yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, remember, we're in the United States here. would be like, what? Screened? Ver- huh? Okay. And- They're enormously popular, apparently. Like, the, the, these, these special events that, that the cinemas, IFC do it, you know, the independent cinema chains do it. They, they do it, like, on a, you know, Monday to Thursday. They do this, you know, so if there's a particularly good... Uh, a version of Shakespeare with Helen Mirren or something like that. Often they'll screen those in the cinema. So they're they're actually hugely popular. You know, particularly I think you know not just in the cities, but but you know outside of the the sort of the the I, I don't know how to describe this being politically correct, but you know in the the middle of the country and you know not in New, not necessarily just in New York and L.A. Yeah. Uh, middle America, yes, middle America, yeah. and so. Two minutes long. Two minutes long. Yeah. If if we if I wanted to see an example of one of these, is there a place online that I could see any of these? You know, that's a very good question, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and one that I don't have an answer to no quite worries. yet. No worries. But I will uh, uh, shortly. We'll probably put up the specs on mm-hmm. uh, MediaFactory.tv, which is our website. So it's okay. Cool. Yeah. So so if somebody wants to at least inquire about submitting a two minute short, maybe go to MediaFactory.tv. Yeah, or they could they could email us at info at MediaFactory.tv. Excellent. Why don't you do that so that you can get the specs and make sure that your two-minute short um, is eligible for this, and then who knows? Maybe you'll be screened in front of the opera. And is that a pretty strict two minutes? Like if it's two minutes and ten seconds, it is immediately not considered? Yeah, no, it, it's it's there is a little bit of leeway. But little four bit minutes leeway. would be four minutes you know, would be out no of the way. question because the because the actual programs are quite well timed. Right, right. Know? I don't want to give people the uh, free reign to do three and a half. But don't even but, give them the ten seconds. I say two minutes. Let's yeah, go for she's it. she's tough. You she know, just say you know, just you've been in class with me for two days. You know, when I say okay, you've got four minutes to do it, I will cut you off. That yeah. was more like for me to let the people who are really seriously thinking about this, you know, you put all that work into it and if it's two minutes and 50 seconds, mm, it's not going to, your time will be wasted. Makes sense. Okay. So we also have Mark Haywood here and Mark Haywood is a novelist, screenwriter, and filmmaker. He is the co-author of the Mark Dewar Cordoba novel set in Arabic Spain. How would I say that with the right accent? That's perfect. Cordoba. Cordoba. Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) The first book in the series was shortlisted for the Crime Writers Association Debut Dagger Award. 
And you're currently developing crime drama and psychological thriller projects for television. And yes? being interviewed on podcasts, yes. And being interviewed on podcasts. So what brings you to my class today? Well, you mentioned very kindly the book. Um, so the, the series started, I guess, 2006, 2007. Um, the nomination led to um, agency representation, which led to a book deal, which led to... Um, a series of books which led to me going to film school which led me to quitting my job which led me to getting on a plane to LA which led me to you Pilar actually I think anybody all anybody heard out there was quitting my job <laughs> <laughs> yes perhaps the most brave and, and also probably stupid thing I've ever done but life is for living um, so the reason I'm here is um, you and I met about three years ago at the London Screenwriters Festival um, which Chris Jones runs mm -hmm. and you go back every year and I remember a couple of very terrifying sessions that I attended. One was yours and one was um, Lee Jessup's. And Lee talked about the output that she would expect a writer to be producing on an annual basis. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm nowhere near that level. So I got really busy really quickly. Um, I finished... Um, I'd finished film school and I um, was a, wanted to be a screenwriter. And I thought the only way to do that and to call yourself a filmmaker was to make films. You know, we are what we do. So I um, packed everything up and started to be a full-time um, screenwriter and filmmaker. And I've been here since July making in, a film, doing a number of things in Los Angeles, yes. And I remember dropping you a line and said, hey, remember me, I'm going to be in town, fancy a coffee, want to meet up. And somehow you said, sure, but why don't we do that in a class? <laughs> and, so, and so the main reason for being here was that, as, as you said, I, I typically write crime drama and psychological thriller. And I tried to do something which Lee Jessup told me I shouldn't do, which is switch genre. Mm, yeah. So I wrote a comedy feature and my agent hated it. <laughs> and I hated myself because she hated it. So I thought, well, I clearly need to rewrite this. So this was really a great opportunity just to come get back in the classroom, spend a couple of days and think about why isn't the script working, which is what we've been doing for the last couple of days. So, so did, you, did you find a way in for the comedy, a, a way to make it funnier, do you think? I have been very encouraged by the fact that the structure of the story is there and it's a character problem that I have. So I think there are some really funny moments in it, but it's not quite working and there are a number of really glaring reasons why that's not happening so just to sit for a couple of days and think about why that is and use the the tools and the technique that you went through in the class has been has been really valuable actually but i mean the big problem obviously guys is that i have to now go back and rewrite the thing right you have to do it right which is where the hard work starts but hopefully i can get my agent something that um, that sings a little bit more and you said that you've been working on a film out here is are we talking about the same film or is this in addition to this is in addition to so this is um and it was i when i had originally came out here i wanted to make something um that was that was a almost an american version of something that i'd written um back in the uk but when i got here i thought well let, let's just park that for the time being let's see if we can do something really crazy and and in the end what i ended up doing was writing casting producing shooting editing um, a short in from start to finish in in about three and a half weeks which is not something that i would recommend people do but it just kind of proves what you can do if you get you know the right people together so this was uh, and a lot of the work that i do is um is uh, teaser trailer um short film not perhaps the two minutes that uh, Niall was talking about but perhaps anywhere between say five and ten minutes 
of things that I think would work really well as um, you know series or as features. And so I wrote um, a short film and effectively shot the version of it that would be the first kind of six or seven minutes just so that when people saw it, I could say, now, imagine that this is what it looks like and, and let's take the story on from here. Um, it's really weird, actually, because the inspiration from it was a Leonard Cohen song, which, you know, given yeah. the recent news is kind of, you know, everybody involved in it has kind of been really kind to reach out and say, wow, that's, you know, that's really sad what, um, what happened, obviously. But um, I came here to have a number of meetings to introduce myself to as many different people as I possibly can to spend a good chunk of time here because the, the visits I've had previously have been, you know, a couple of weeks. But to spend four months here, I think, has been invaluable. And now I don't know what your view is of kind of being here, but you have to be here or you're I know this is going to sound silly, but if you're not here, you're not here and, and you're not you, you, you're nobody. You don't particularly exist. And I think that the meetings that I've had since I've been here have been fascinating because when you're here, you can get the door open. You can say hi. You can exchange business cards and you can talk about projects. But when you're not here to do it remotely from somewhere else is pretty much impossible, right? It is. But I think it's also, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a privileged position, for, certainly uh, to be able to play off the work that you do in Ireland or England and to come here uh, and use that as a as a uh, way to open a door that, I think that's great you know because you can do that but um but I find the same thing it's a business of of uh, relationships and there, there's no way to do those relationships from afar so what I'm what I'm hearing that I think people who are living in Ireland and, and England should take into account is it was the work there that opened the door here so it's not come running out here and do the work. It's develop your own reputation and a body of work there and use that as a calling card to knock on the door out here. Yes? Yeah, because if you don't do that, you're just a waiter like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so there is, um, uh, in Ireland, uh, people complain about it all the time, but there is funding available for films, and in England too. Uh, it's not huge, it's not great, but there are organizations uh, some of which you know, like Filmbase and uh, and the Irish Film Board in Ireland and and BFI in England and other organisations that will fund uh, uh, films that you do. So it's good to be to have something to do. So the first thing that I did was a documentary uh, called The Bass Player. So that was funded by the Irish Film Board. And then, of course, people are you know the more you do, the more interesting you are to people here because they want to know that you can actually do what you're claiming to be able to do. You know. Um, since I'm a big music fan, I, uh, what's the what's your documentary, The Bass Player? I mean, obviously, it's about a bass player. It's about a bass player who's my father. Uh, oh. my, my father is a jazz bassist, and, you know, he brought me up on his own in kind of 70s and 80s in Ireland and, um, and then had this sort of wild and wacky story of leaving Ireland and, you know, going to work in factories in England. And then, you know, anyway, he just, he, he ended up in Samoa. So I ended up making this film about his... His journey, but oh, that's great. As I made it, of course, everybody was like, "Oh, this is an interesting film about a father. Where's the son?" Mm. So I so very, be very very careful about doing personal documentaries. <laughs> are you advice. in? The, are you in the film also? Of then? course, yeah, 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 yeah. Like torturing me, so yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> is that why? I, do you do you favor a documentary over over? fiction I, I can see that you're going back and forth so are, are you in the fictional world right now because 
enough with the documentary or, or are you going back and forth? I love both and I think one can really inform the other really well. Um, I think you, you, you learn a lot from being in production in anything, you know, whether it's commercials or anything that you're doing. So you learn. Uh, but also I think uh, it's wonderful because I think what, what screenwriters are trying to do, even if it's, you know, a genre piece, is you're trying to take some piece of truth in life and distill it down onto a page. And I think you know, documentary is kind of a discipline that teaches you that, you know, to how to wait and see what's going to happen and let it happen. And there's been an explosion in people's appetite for documentaries recently. I mean, the quality, you know, even the, the broadcast quality, but the whole, the whole thing has just exploded in recent years. I mean, there is a huge appetite now. I mean, it's becoming a go-to part of the industry that, that we never had before, right? I mean, I just think some of the stuff that, that we see... I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day. They, I said, what are you watching at the moment? And they said, well, I've just been watching Central Park Five, right? You know, which is a story, you know, decades old, but has come to prominence again with everything that's going on. And I think it's a great thing that people are returning to documentaries and also seeing it as a, as a not just a way into the industry, but an integral part of the industry. But also, like, you know, Frank, Frank Capra, you know, Werner Herzog, like right. a lot of my favorite filmmakers, you know, have have gone back and forth between the, the, the genres. So I do think it's, it's you know, it's it's really interesting way to do things. Yeah, particularly Herzog. I mean, he has a huge canon of documentary work, which is just brilliant. But, I mean, Capra had like 50, you know, he was he was doing, you know, documentaries long before he, did, he got near a feature. So I think it's it's good discipline. Yeah, there's so many uh, documentaries on Netflix right now. I have friends that just, they, they strictly are just burning through all the documentaries yeah. that are on Netflix. And they love it. Yeah. I have a question, too, because about when Mark was saying he switched genres and he started writing a comedy. Oh, I have a question for you, Pilar. There are no questions. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm not question. taking any questions anymore. Well, the if you can't over. answer it, we'll, we'll edit it out. Okay. On, on, on a screen, in a screenplay, a comedy screenplay. Yeah. Does every single page have to have a joke? Does every single page have to be ha-ha, laugh-out-loud funny? Well, what, is I, I there think a... you know as a, as a comedian that mm-hmm. it's not the jokes that are funny, it's the situations that are funny, right? right? And it's, it's how characters react to situations. So that situation might take more than a page to, to fully develop to get all the humor out of it. Okay. Um, so no, it doesn't have to be per page. All right, good. Yeah. Thank you. Except for you. You <laughs> have lo- to do a As long as there are some perfect. jokes, I think. Right. <laughs> some jokes. Which is, I think, the real problem with my script. But you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll fix that. <laughs> so, so we're talking, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you guys are, are so uh, changeable. Um, you know, documentary to fiction and uh, thriller to comedy and also going from one country to another. I'm, I'm interested in um, if you... Are you, do you see any differences with how people tell stories in your native countries versus how sort of an American way of telling a story out uh, here? Yes. I mean, I, I binge read. You know, you talked about Netflix. I kind of do the same with, um, with screenplays. Uh, binge read as much as possible. I find the styles, you know, vastly different. I mean, some of my favorite um, screenwriters from the UK, um, people like Abby Morgan, Sally Wainwright, um, Matt Tromman, who um, you know did Bridge of Spies with the Coen Brothers and Spielberg, I think you know there is a real identifiable um, voice in British screenwriting. And then you read an American screenplay, and it's you know sometimes it's so radically different that you learn 
you know, when you train, you learn all the rules about screenwriting and then you kind of read a script that's been written here and it, they just, everything's, you know, everything gets broken in terms of rules, all the stuff that you were taught not to do, you see in a screenplay and then you think, well, is that brave or is that just kind of really good? And then you go, well, actually forget the rules. Let's just look at what's working on the page. And some of the character descriptions I find, you know, astonishing and, and they would, it wouldn't necessarily appear on screen but when you read it as a writer you just think you know wow that's kind of cool you, you just i would advise anybody to try and get hold of the pilots of things like mad men you know and breaking bad the good wife just because there are some even in the first couple of pages we talked earlier Pilar, about um, how to get away with murder you know just in the first couple of pages there are things in there that every time i read them make me gasp because the quality of the writing is just you know, wonderful. I, I know that Mad Men has been, you know, over for a, for a while, but if you go back to the pilot and the introduction of Don Draper as a character and he sat in the bar and it talks about the fact that you'd never know it, but he's on his third old fashioned of the night and, and it's highballs and martinis and everywhere, the sights and sounds of smoking, you know, it's, I mean, that's, that's good, right? That's that poetry. is quality, poetic writing. And yet, you would look at that on screen and you'd never know what the writer had done. So I, I, I have a huge amount of respect for any screenwriter. But, but I think also you do, you do get a sense of, what, of that particular passage because all of that still lends itself to the way that that would be filmed, right? Mm. Be, the, you said the sights and sounds of... Of smoking. The sights and sounds of smoking, mm. right? So that, that makes you understand that maybe we're going to film it through sort of a smoky haze and it's going to be dark and there's going to be people gathering and you're going to hear it and and uh and and i think it does actually help paint the picture absolutely and it's a huge payoff because the pilot episode is all about the advertising campaign for a cigarette brand that he's really struggling with right Mm -hmm. and he asks the waiter that serves him his third or fourth old-fashioned of the night what brand of cigarettes do you smoke and why and i i think it's i think it's great i think there are kind of real trends in particularly television and i'll be interested in your views on this but kind of being here for a a decent length of time when you go through um you know the new pilot season as stuff comes out and then you're here for emmy season as well which is incredible because you can't pass a bus without you know (laughs) without an advert for you know for your consideration but um the trends that i see at the moment are there's a huge amount of voiceover and time shift um movement that takes place in television at the moment and kind of if i one of my favorite shows used to be damages i love damages yeah we love that and if you think about the pilot or the opening um, shots of Damages where you have the Rose Byrne character and she kind of runs out of this apartment building and she's covered in blood and kind of half naked. And, yeah. then, and then it immediately takes you back and the, and the, the super is six months earlier. And you go, wow, you know, we're, British television is getting there, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's been done here so many times and for so long that I think it's, you know, it's, it's now become, it's now not innovative because everybody else is, is copying it. But it's the bravery of um, television writing here in the US that I really admire because you guys will try stuff on the page and on the screen. If it doesn't work, you kind of, you know, move on and, and look at something else. But I, I get a real kick out of writing that makes me gasp because I think that's what it's all about. If you can do that with words, well, imagine how good it will look on screen. You know? <laughs> it's just, it would be astonishing. And honey, the, the guys who did damages, they do bloodline, right? Right. Have you seen bloodline so on Netflix? Bl- bloodline. I love, and I love that opening, um, that opening pilot episode yes. where it's this big, I think it's their 40th anniversary and, you know, and everybody comes back, you know, to the beach hotel and there's that one brother, you know, the mm-hmm. one black sheep in the family. Yeah. And then, 
it, you learn really quickly that it's not just about that thing. And if people if haven't if people haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. But you know, when when he talks in voiceover about the fact there's something else going on, you just think, well, you see, that's really clever. That's really really smart. That really good use of of technique. I mean, even things like um, Narcos, right, which I know is based on you know a real um, a real person, but it's the it's the putting on screen of something that's happened in the past with the reflective voiceover of somebody looking back, uh, you know, over a perspective of, say, 10 years, whatever it is. And it's consistent and it's good. And in the UK, we've just started to get, um, you know, screenplays and TV programs that are produced that play around with time in a way that, you know, we haven't we haven't seen before. And I think it's great. But at the same time, the stuff that happens on you know, British television that, that doesn't happen here. I remember the reaction here in the US when Sherlock was first um, broadcast. And, and I would talk to people here in Los Angeles who would say, oh, we've never seen anything like this before. You know, this is really groundbreaking stuff. So I think if you can take the best of both of those industries, you've got something really special. But Yeah, because I think it becomes a conversation really, doesn't correct, it? Yeah. And uh, like at the moment, I'd, I'm not sure if, uh, if you've seen Fleabag, but by uh, this woman Phoebe Waller-Bridge and uh, it's the sort of latest comedy thing and I mean comedy is an odd word for it because it's, huh. it's, it's frankly it starts off quite funny and gets less funny throughout the thing but <clears throat> I would say that that wouldn't have happened without you know some of these great TV series that are coming out here so, um, so th- this is a new series in you know that's written and directed and, and uh, are written and, and acted by this one girl or one woman and um, you know she breaks the fourth wall she you know it's funny at one stage she kind of goes bit on the nose you know she's like she's constantly commenting not right. only on the on her situation in life, but what's happening, and it works beautifully. You and know? this is a, a, a it's a British, a British series. yeah, okay. yeah. So, so I think it becomes a conversation. And as a, as an Irish person, I think you know we um, we really need the input from you know there, there's a there's a slightly uh, I mean screenwriting here is much more of a sort of profession. You serve your time, you know, whereas. Traditionally in Ireland, like, you know, there were sort of genius playwrights who seemed to be born that way, you know. It wasn't seen, and I think in England as well, it was like, oh, either you're a genius writer or you're not, you know. Um, so the the sort of, put, the idea of putting in your time, like an apprenticeship here, of writing, of going to writer's rooms and stuff like that. Right, working way up in the writer's room ladder from staff writer to EP. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to, ha- I don't know if it's happening more in England, I think it's probably going to happen more in Ireland where there were, you know, budget allowing, of course, because there's no budgets for anything anymore, that there'll be more writer's room type stuff. But yet there's... Wonderful stuff coming out of Ireland too. Chris O'Dowd just did a series called Moon Boy a couple of years ago. It's phenomenal. It was on Sky TV and produced in Ireland. So, so I think it's a it's a great time for these things. You know, now, is there? I don't know. It's very hard to generalize, right? Because every story is specific. But would you say there's a certain kind of pacing? Um, I guess when I think about Irish films that. I love or UK series that I love, I do feel like, well, they're okay about slowing things down a little bit. Is that just in my head or, or do you think that that's true? Um, sometimes. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you know, films like Jim Sheridan are very, very much in a sort of an American tradition, I think, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're very, you know, they're heartfelt. They're, they're kind of, they're in that tradition of heartfelt, you know, 
films, even if they're, you know, cross genres into thriller and in America, of course, is a, I guess, a drama, an indie drama. Um, so, yeah, sometimes, I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's an interesting time in Ireland, I think, because we've, uh, we had no sort of industry there for a long time. And, you know, there was, and this is where government funding has helped. You know, the government has put money into the industry, has attracted outside investment. So people come to Ireland and make programs. And that's grown, you know, cinematographers and writers and stuff. And, and we're sort of seeing the first new generation of, of writers and directors, you know, like Lenny Abramson coming over who did Room and of course, you know, John Crowley with Brooklyn. And so it's, it's a very interesting time in Ireland. I think we have, you know, in the wings behind them, there's, there's a great generation of writers about to come up, uh, writers, directors about to come up. Well, the film, um, I think I get the name of this right, Sing Street that came out, you know, Mm -hmm. earlier this year, when that, when that came out here, it had a huge reaction. Um, And, you know, people, I think, had a reaction to that because one, it reminded them of those amazing, you know, that amazing soundtrack, you know, from the eighties. And it's not necessarily a new concept film, but when you put something that good and that simple with that quality of acting on screen, I think it it does a huge amount. And I've spoken to several independent filmmakers here in Los Angeles who referenced that film as being, you know, that's the level that we're aspiring to. That's what we want to try and make. And that's, that's, that's huge. Television, I think is, is interesting with, and let's not get political about this, but the, the whole, you know, UK um, tax credit, which is like one of the reasons there is such a film industry in the UK and that, you know, in the last quarter of your accounts, you get 50% of everything that you've um, spent on the film back from um, the treasury. The, the danger is that if that goes or if somebody else introduces an even better incentive, then the industry will simply move to where, you know, the, um, to where the tax credits are. Um, but I think, Irish film and television has got such a pedigree, such a history that you speak to anybody here in Los Angeles who's seen Sing Street, it's an astonishing reaction. Well, John Carney, of course, did once and he's, uh, you know, and yeah. John, you know, the backstory there was, the, was that John um, and um, Glenn Hansard went along to audition for... Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the film now, but the... the, the um, uh, you know, went along to audition for for a film together, and uh, they chose Glenn. And uh, John, you know, has been trying to make the film ever since. And of right. course, Sing Street really is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen Sing Street yet. I just rented it on Amazon the other night. Oh, so are we going to watch we, it? So that we can watch it, yeah. yes. Okay, it's, it like, sounds so Sorry. up your alley. Oh, the commitments. It was the commitments, yeah. They went to, I beg your pardon, they, they went to audition for the commitments, mm. you know. So, uh, and interestingly, if you watch Sing Street and the commitments back to back, there is lots of, you know, uh, similarities. Yeah. Um, Again, generalizing, do you feel that um, where you're from, there are certain themes or certain kinds of stories that people like to hit. Like, for example, you know, with American TV, you know, there's an emphasis on money, power, um, the justice system. You know, we're, we're interested in those kind of, kind of things. They keep coming up on, on TV a lot. Are there, any, are there certain themes that you think are, are you, you know, particular to, to Ireland and, and to... England. Well, some of it's budget based, right? So mm-hmm. we can't really do genre mm-hmm. because we don't really have the money, you know. Mm-hmm. And England kind of can with James Bond, but like, you know, there's, there's, the, so there's, 
so if you're competing against, you know, a Fantastic Four and I don't know the budget of that, like it's it's going to be so most of our films are quote unquote independent films. You know, they're they're often um dramas. They're they're, you know, often you know, small stories, I suppose, rather than big stories. You know, but I'm interested in 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 the, the kinds of stories that are told thematically. Um, do you think? Uh, do you find the stories gravitate toward a certain thing? Like, like I said, you know, we're I think we're fascinated with TV shows about money, about power, about like industries and and that kind of thing, which to me feels very specifically American. You know, um, is there? Do you find that there's certain themes that that people gravitate toward, or again, is this just a such a broad generalization that? Well, I, I'm just thinking through the Irish films; they're much more personal stories. I mean, they're much right. more, you know. Uh, so there's a film called A Date for Mad Mary that's just about to come out that uh, had tremendous uh, reception in Ireland. Um, you know, it's a drama about a young girl who's, you, you know. I'm trying to say, how do I say it without giving, but it's a coming of age drama, if you like. So so we're doing a lot of coming of age dramas in so, Ireland. So based on, on the fact that your budget is smaller, then it sort of lends itself more to character driven, sort of the personal journeys is, is what you're saying. Like they go hand in hand based yeah, on what and you it, could it's, afford. It swings from sort of European auteur cinema, you know, which is you know, slightly more esoteric uh, from time to time to much more, you know, single-person dramas, if you like, you know. Yeah, and I think in in England we do um, grit. I don't know whether that translates well, but we do we do local, we do kitchen sink, we do, you know, Ken Loach. Um, we're very, very good at that and have been, you know, for a very long time. And it, and it does keep um, delivering some incredible output. Um, but then... I guess a more modern trend would be um, things like Black Mirror, um, because we do satire, we do deeply dark psychological um, thriller satire that I think, you know, has clearly found an audience here in in the US, given that the latest, you know, the latest incarnation has got um, Bryce Dallas Howard in it. And I think so, you know, we we have we have a real niche when it comes to um, that local provincial story that's that's heart-wrenching that grabs people that you know that really really does translate and you know we should continue to make that stuff because it's you know it, it it's really cool but we don't have the history of these, these i mean you, you mentioned money and business right so i think of a show like billions mm-hmm. right you know right. we would that wouldn't be a uk show that's a uniquely you know u.s you know, representation, even though a Empire. lot of those themes, yeah, yeah, even though a lot of those themes, you know, are applicable absolutely to um, to the UK. But you kind of watch a show and you think, would that, you know, would that work if, if we were to rewrite that or, or take it back to the UK and try and put it on screen? You know, how would it work? And I, I guess it's just the, you know, the the, the largesse and, the, you know, the size of the production, you know, that, that, that we see because we have... You know, we'll, unless it's a returning series, it's probably going to be six one-hour episodes um, in the UK versus, you know, whatever it is, 22, 23, depending on, on, on what type of um, genre we're looking at. But it's fascinating what you say about, you know, we can we afford to do um, genre? No, probably not, um, because the money isn't necessarily um, there. But I think that that's changing with, you know, new entrants like Amazon and, and Netflix, because all of a sudden there's all of this you know, additional filming. There was a show that came out in the UK last year called River, um, which was a detective Great. show, yeah. right? And, and it was just brilliant. And it was, 
it, it, it had everything that it needed. And the UK aired it, it was six one-hour episodes. They aired it um, kind of in the, uh, about this time of year. So it probably finished around October of last year. And the second it finished on the BBC, it, it, they put the whole thing on Netflix because it was a, a bit of a co-production. And um, I think that that... that down. We're going to watch it. River? River. Yeah. River. It's absolutely yeah. astonishing. It, it well, you really do crime is. very well. Britain does crime, crime very yeah, well. Yeah. Ab- yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's really astonishing because it, it, it puts everything, you know, on screen. You look at the production value, the quality, the story, you know, it's all there. Um, and yet it, it was pretty pretty groundbreaking i won't talk about why it was groundbreaking but in the first you know in the, in the first episode you, you know almost about i'd say about 10 minutes in there is this huge whoa okay you don't know, don't get because, because we are like we're, we're always looking for something like we're watching right now we're watching see the season three of the fall yeah we, right. we loved season one, one and, and two. two just totally benched out on it season three of like one one thing you can totally say about you know crime drama as as you said in in the UK is um it's authenticity it's it, it's attention to yes. the details mm. of real police or medical procedure yeah. so one thing in the third season of the fall right now is like well it seems like authentic medical procedure yeah there's a lot of stuff at the hospital there's it's a like lot really of stuff like at that hospital yeah. <laughs> stuff like um, there was a show in the UK called Broadchurch which did two it's series fantastic. which I think you know was remade Loved it. was remade here David Tennant did the you know did both the UK yeah. and the US remade there's a I show I watched called, one episode of the US and I was like why I'm not even going to bother I've seen Broadchurch yeah, I don't need to see Grace Point I think it was called that's right Grace yeah. Point yeah and she was um, so good in it that you know without her I anyway, you know what I mean yeah. she made the series for me I can't yeah. remember and it's the same yeah. um, same production company, uh, Olivia Coleman. Yeah, same yeah. same production company that did River as well. So oh, you know, good. anything that comes out of out of the Kudos stable is you know is pretty good. There's also a show called um, you know The Missing, which is on its second series. The first series was um, about a young boy that does literally go missing in France, and it's about his parents struggle to try and too. find him. And then when they brought it back for the second series, so the point I made earlier about playing around with time shifts starting to happen. Um, the second series has taken, you know, different story, different characters and moves around in time way more than anything we've probably done in the past, wow. um, which is, you know, really, really good to see. And I remember there was a show here. I don't know whether you guys remember it. There was a show here maybe eight, eight or seven, seven or eight years ago called Harper's Island. Um, it was a CBS show. It ran for one series and it was a about a wedding that took place on this island and everybody went back for it. And then over the course of, say, 14, 15 episodes, you know, basically everybody gets killed up until the point you realize who is doing this. What they wanted to do with that show is to is to keep bringing it back and have actors play different roles. And it never took off. But yeah. then it was kind of a bit, of bit of groundbreaking television for things like American Horror Story, where, you know, the cast kind of comes back and it's different, but it's a different you know, characters. characters but it's it's yeah. the same. It's an ensemble. Know, it's exactly. Yeah. Almost that. You know, I love I love the fact that there could be a repertory cast on television right yeah. i mean that's cool right it works yeah. in theater all the time so why why wouldn't it work on television i think when we see shows like that now it's it's really encouraging because as a writer you can do so much with that my uh, my brother's only six years older than me but he'll always say to me he goes oh, there's nothing good on tv and i'm just like you are really Every, not everything everything's good on tv it's the new golden age of television yeah i know but i do miss cinema yeah, you know, oh, yes. real cinema. Like yeah. I watched The Great Beauty the other night, and oh. it was just like, you know, this film has flaws, but it is real cinema. Yeah. Like I was transfixed by it. You know, so I do. There are less and less of those type of films being made, which is 
very sad, I think, you know. Now, you, you, uh, you t- tell me a little bit about the Tribeca work that you do. Well, I program shorts for Tribeca, so I'm one of several programmers, and we watch everything, you know. Um, so um, so we, we, there are about 3,500 films a year, short films, that are submitted. So we, we have about 400 each that we have to get through. Oh, my God. Each season. So it's very interesting. Like, there's a number, there, there's... there's uh, like the, the same way you have your pet peeves about script writing, yeah. I have about short films. It's oh, like, can you lay some on us? Yeah, especially because we've also got Mark here who just finished a, a short. So you're hearing expert advice from a, you know, this is this is where you want your short to go anyway, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so well, um, so um, I'm going to watch Mark's face yeah. as he tells these because yeah, if, if it changes, he's going to be like, oh. "Can I borrow your pen, please?" <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Assume that we know that your character has got up this morning. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't need an alarm clock. Yeah. To, uh, to, uh, to we know that. We know they've got up. We know they've had tea. So I have the coffee. same pet for scripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, read, I read that opening scene all the time. People get up every morning. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so unless it's pertinent to the story, it, should, it shouldn't be there. Um, you know, length. The, the the length of time is a big thing. Um, not that. You know, I've seen some really great uh, forty-minute short films, but but they won't get programmed by us most of the time unless they really. It's sort of the rule is that for every sort of minute or two you go over fifteen or twenty minutes, like the film has to be just you know twice as good to 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 earn that. You know, so so you know long films also like you know mood, tone, and setup for a short film like it doesn't really work uh it works for a feature very very well Mm -hmm. but you don't have time in a short film so you really you know for me i want to see what's happening immediately i want to i want to jump you need to you know you really it's that thing of throw away your first whatever pages of script but you really need to jump right into the middle of the action i think a lot of the time. It's so true what you say, because the first edit I did, so the assembly cut of the film, which was effectively putting everything that was on the page um, on, uh, on, on screen and in the film, was about 10 minutes, and the current version is about six, because you just think, well, where does my story actually start? Well, it starts at minute four, so... Get rid of you know get get rid of everything that happens before that because until the characters get to that particular location and have that particular conversation, we're just treading water and and, it, and it's not helpful. And, and you might need to write those first four pages right. just so you can get rid of them. Yeah, because oh, yeah. jumping get, right into absolutely. page five might be difficult. But by the yeah. time it gets to Tribeca, get rid of them. Right. So yeah, long oh. sweeping shots of foliage and people staring out of windows. <laughs> Like, Do you get cut a lot that. Of it? Got a lot of that. Okay. You know, it's like you know. And uh, there's a new one in Ireland, which is because there's a lot of sort of crime drama happening in Ireland at the moment. So it's it's usually people in short sleeves with their arms folded, standing around on docks waiting for boats to come in and stuff like that. So um, uh, and and it's unfortunate, but but for for. For even though we do take student films at Tribeca, we're taking student films from NYU and Columbia and the best schools in the world, I guess, in film and, and UCLA. So, um, so the films, uh, they, the production values have to be completely, you know, if, if you wouldn't see it on 
you know, they have to be network television and above. You can't, you, you know, any sort of bad acting or it, it just gets discounted immediately, unfortunately. And that's not to say that there aren't some lovely films with some great things happening in them, but that's, you know, that's sort of the... Um, just, just a great script is not going to count in this place. It's every component has to, has to, has equal weight, I would imagine. Well, you see, you've got to take it from the other point of view is that there's three and a half thousand films. If I am, you know, uh, watching 40 minutes of Pat's film, then I'm basically doing the other films a disju- an injustice by not watching them or by, you know, not giving them an equal ground to compete on. So, so they would be some of the things. And then, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, screenwriting classes teach, you know, make silent films, but don't, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's okay to have people talk in films. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's fun, you know, to have characters talk to each other. Now that's not the same as, you know, two people talking at each other across a room. I mean, you know, um, but, um, but, but completely silent films, you know, are often, you know, they're great, but you know, they don't quite, you know, it's, it's good to mix in some dialogue there from time to time, I feel, you know, unless it's something that lends itself to that, you know. Um, so, yeah, so they would be my, my, my number, you know, one to five or six pet peeves, mm-hmm. I'd say. So remember, Niles isn't trying to scare you, he's trying to help you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I, I, isn't that, yeah. I know, but some people out there listening are like, oh, no. Well, no, but I think that's very helpful yeah, because it I, is. I, some of those things that you mentioned, yeah, I yeah, think also they, they become the cliche. And then you're just, of, you're, of, you're of rolling your film. eyes the whole time you're watching. You're like, oh, really? Already? Yeah, I have, a, I have a question to ask you. It's something I, you know, because I don't teach short film, but I do consult on short films, and I've found that. Either a short film to me feels successful when there's a twist at the end. We're building, 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 and then we 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 twist in it in some unexpected way, and that's the story. Or that we start with something very high concept, sort of a, a an interesting take on the world. The world has right away the world has changed, or the characters change in some way, and then we see that mind. You know, like the the idea. I think I mentioned it on another show of like. You spend your short following a story, and by the end, we realize we're watching somebody turn into a bug, or watching somebody wake up as a bug and seeing what a bug life is like. So, yeah, one of those, those two things. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the time, or yeah, if it's just extremely well done, you know. So there's a a French short called, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, so the francophiles can can. Uh, but it's called Le Biffle, and it's that means stick slap, and it's a, it's a film about. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite short films. Uh, I, don't ask me why, but it's a, it's a film about um, uh, martial arts, uh, dick slapping video store owner. It's just it's it it takes the piss out of every single genre in the book, and 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 takes all those hammy lines. You know, there's a romance in it, and takes all those lines and sort of subverts them. So. You can get away with anything if you do it really, really well. So kind of, you're saying, would that be sort of a day in the life kind of thing? And you're saying, look, it doesn't fall into either one of those categories I just mentioned, but it's just interesting enough that we can spend our five minutes with this person and, and that's yeah, the story. It, it, was, it was a great script. It was supremely well acted. It was, you know, it was a, a, a really stupid concept carried out really, really well. Uh, so it was, it, you know, it's very, very interesting. But, but yeah, I think, and then, 
uh, I'm trying to think, what's the name of it? Um, Spider is that that uh, horrific but wonderful is an Australian uh, short film uh, that is that that has the ultimate twist, you know, in, in it as well. Which is, now, are you a twist guy, or are you a high concept guy, or are you a just you know laser in on a, a moment kind of guy? I am. I I basically want to be moved uh, in some way, you know. So. Either my intellect has peaked, but that's less interesting, really, in film. You know, it's much more interesting as a reader in books. But I, but, but I want to laugh or I want to cry uh, or I want to be drawn in in some way. So I, I basically want to, you know, I call it kind of be, sitting forward on the couch, you know, because uh, I'm sitting back on this, you know, uh, sofa looking at all these films. And then I want that lean forward moment where like, oh, hang on, this is interesting. There's something really great going on here. And so it's it's hard to define. And then the other thing I would say is that I don't know if it's the age of filmmakers, but there are an awful lot of Alzheimer's uh, short films. Mm. Now, my own father has Alzheimer's. It's tragic. It's, you know, terrible. I can understand people making films about it. But unless you've got the best Alzheimer's film in the world, like it's 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 probably, you know, it's like we get... I don't know, like, you know, we get 30 a year. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the sort of number one topic, you know. And then every year there'll be something that sort of bubbles up to the surface. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of films about violence against women. I don't know why that, that was the case, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this year pr- provides. You know? Right, and it's it's not to be cynical about the actual topic. It's just saying, look, it's, it's crowded. There, there are other issues in the world go there or try a different kind of story or yeah it's these things i don't know it's hard to say they trend yeah 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 yeah. and uh and so 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 mark's like oh mine's about alzheimer's (laughs) the guy who wakes up and and realizes he's got alzheimer's (laughs) (laughs) no it's not what what can you give away a little bit about about the short? Sure. It's about two people that meet for the first time after 25 years, and they realize they both have very different recollections of what happened to them the last time they met. Um, I like that already. Yeah. yeah. Great logline. Thank yeah. you, Pilaf, coming from you. That's a real, <laughs> that's a real compliment. And, and actually, the I like to write stuff that's uncomfortable for people to watch the sort of stuff that you know you might do when no one else is watching but you wouldn't want people to think that that's the sort of person that you were mm-hmm. if it all came out in public but this the, the piece you know came out of um a uh i was listening to um leonard cohen's song i'm your man and it was really there is a line in that song which is if you want a father for your child and effectively you know these two people meet again after 25 years um, and the event that changed both of their lives comes up in conversation. And I started it um, with the female lead. Typically all of my um, leads are um, females um, because I don't think anybody writes for, you know, the demographic that I'm trying to write for in terms of um, actors specifically, because there are so many, you know, enter, I don't know, Jane twenties blonde, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we've all, we've all seen that, but um, I, when I edited the film i ended it way earlier than it finishes in the script because i wanted it was a teaser trailer and it and it wasn't teasing you know so i just i just kind of cut it short and wanted people to think well oh that's interesting how how would this relationship continue 
um, because you know what happens is that the the guy in the film realizes that he is a father and he didn't know, um, and the female lead realizes that her own father. Um, had died because she was um, she was sent away because she got pregnant. She was from a um, you know a Baptist family and a teenage pregnant daughter, not good for business and all that. And so, I wanted to put these two people in a room and make them confront the fact that this had happened and wanted to play that out. And actually, when I saw it on screen versus on the page, it was fascinating because there are considerably more pauses and silences and just them existing in this space together for the first time um in 25 years and exploring what that what that might be like so it was really about you know to people what would it be like if you realized that you were a father and at the same time what would you do if you realized that your own father you know on the other side of the table had um, had passed away and you simply didn't know because you'd moved away because of what happened to you 25 years ago so it was pretty emotional the two um the two actors did an incredible job um, casting was a was an absolute blast. I was very lucky. Saw some really really great people, um, and when we looked at it on camera, I just I just edited the hell out of it because it just it didn't need all of the words. You know, mm. just the story told itself, and it was very clear in the editing suite where where I should start and finish. And and that was that was a real joy actually because you you as a writer you spend so much time writing all this stuff, and then when you see it on screen. You just think, yeah, it doesn't, it's not necessary. It's really not necessary. Can I tell this story? Because you can always take out another frame, right? You know, to your two minute thing. You, you can always take out, you know, another frame, a page of your script. You can always get it to fit onto a smaller piece of, um, of white paper. But then when you put it on screen and you just think, I don't even need the line. You know, I can just have a look or I can just have a cutaway, whatever it is. And you find that if you trust the material and you trust the story that's at the heart of the material, Actually, you can just cut the crap out of it, right? You just don't need it. I think uh, I think that will be the theme for this podcast: cut the crap out cut of it. Cut the crap out of it. Okay. <laughs> but I like that idea because you you um, I so find it uh, so often find it myself that that the pivotal moment in a, in a film is the silent moment. Mm. You know, it it is that moment. It is the look, or it is the thing. But of course, I'm sure it must have been written. To begin with, you know, and, and going back to what you were saying today, like, you know, I think sometimes writing that corny line is a good thing to do because it because it it, you know, puts a pin in it for where you're, you know, even if that just becomes a direction later on. Sure. At least, you yeah. know, where it's going to land and then you can always have your actor sort of work toward that that area and then take it out if you want to. But they wouldn't be going toward it unless it was there on the page to begin with. Um, and um, now that I have name-dropped my own business, I want to uh, uh, thank you guys, first of all, not only for being on the podcast, but for coming to class. I'm honored to have people with such uh, such an extent of knowledge in my classroom. That's great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, and it's a, it, I've listened to the podcast for a long time, so it's great to be here and to see where it all happens and in you know and the disco ball that's hanging over us and like the the cocktail bar on the corner and yeah it's just glamorous uh, downtown it's LA. so glamorous here. so the on the page class is not just for beginners 
Oh no! It's for everybody. No, that's that's why I do pull so many people yeah. right out of yeah. class because I'm always kind of shocked. Like, At the resumes. Really, you do what? Just stay for a little bit. Here, <laughs> talking to this mic. There. Okay. So thanks, guys. I really, really appreciate it. If somebody, um, Mark, if somebody wants to check out what you do, uh, where should they go? They can visit my website, which is www.inkjockey.co.uk, um, or they can search for the Mark Dewar novels on amazon excellent excellent and niall what about you uh, do you want people to leave you alone <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> um uh, we have a production company as mediafactory.tv so uh if you want to find out more about uh, the work that i do and i i work with my wife marisa roy and we do documentaries and we do drama so Excellent. And don't forget about the, the two-minute shorts. If they meet the specifications, That's right. you can get in touch and find out more. Okay? Great. All right. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, I want to remind people to go to onthepage.tv. There's always some cool classes here. These days, I try and have something coming out of the studio at least once a month. And... Um, LA people, we're doing a writing marathon here December 4th. It's Sunday, and I'm just really excited about it because it's going to be 9 a.m. to midnight. Right. And you come on in, and you just write all day. I'm going to give you a, a calendar where it'll be 90-minute focus writing time, then 50-minute breaks all day. I'm going to come in midday and help you with some brainstorming and some Q&A when you're stuck. And, uh, and then... At midnight, you leave, and hopefully you have a whole bunch of pages under your belt, or you've loaded up on free candy and coffee. I'll be here for a couple hours to make sure people don't trash the place. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pat will be there. Yeah. Like, he's the muscle for the day. <laughs> so you probably can trash the place. <laughs> You're the monitor. Yeah. You'll, you'll, come, you'll come in for that, uh, for your... For your to teach and I'll be taped to a chair. There you go. It'll be just like home. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, so that's going on. And uh, also the TV class, uh, December 11th, Carol Kirshner will be the guest speaker. Um, all day you're going to be working out your new series and your pilot episode. So that's December 11th here. If you are from out of town, you can't get into LA, um, there is a TV workshop shop online. Go to on the page and uh, check out the recorded class on the page TV on the page TV and uh, there's a TV class through Cinevi. Uh, I recorded the class and uh, and it's there and you just download it and you can watch it and get all the handouts. Super cool. Cool. <laughs> what about you, Pat? Let's let's plug uh, your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at pat underscore francis. I'm verified. Stop you rubbing have a blue that in. Have That's amazing. Um, you can find my uh, my podcast is on um, Twitter at Rock Solid Show. <laughs> this week's episode is cover songs. Oh, cool! So enjoy that. I also wanted to read one thing because uh, since uh, since Mark gave uh, a log line, uh, sometimes on Directv they have uh, I guess it's a log line or a description of the film. Yeah. And over Halloween, I was watching a lot of the Christopher Lee Hammer. Um, Dracula films and uh, this was the description for Dracula has risen from the grave here we go the vampire count bites a tavern waitress a monsignor's daughter then falls on something sharp (laughs) that was actually that was it that was real I saw it on TV I'm like then falls on something sharp sharp. yep well what happened (laughs) 
And there's a little bit more to the movie than that, folks. But I just love, like, somebody's actually, like, churning out these log lines mm-hmm. and is getting so bored of their job, right? They're just and then things yeah. like, you know what? No, I'm just going to write. And then falls on something. <laughs> something yeah. happens. And we'll see if some, and we'll see, yeah, we'll see who, who's the person that's supposed to check those lines because that's the person that's not doing want, their job. I want that person on the show. I want the direct TV log line person. Person on the show. Yes. That'll be is. awesome. I don't know. I'm reaching out. If All you right. can hear me, log line person, come on the show. Are okay. you guys on Twitter? We are on Twitter, yes. Where, do I As give it? at Ink Jockey. And, and I'm at Niall McKay. Okay, great. Okay, and, my, and I'm at On The Page. Not verified, but soon. And you have a lot of followers. What's a girl <laughs> got to do to get a blue tick around? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Thanks, every, thanks so much for being here after the class. Now you get to finally leave the studio and have some dinner. And I want to thank Pat for, uh, for producing. Thanks to all of you for listening. And have a good writing week. 